0: It has to be part of your thing. And then, you know, you, you do it like this and then you break the mold. Welcome to the Creative Studio. This is the podcast where we conduct experiments with podcasting. My name is Joshua Rivers, and this is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC. Biographic.
1: An engaging story. Plus emotion or moments of reflection. And it's not all just documentaries because we get sucked into the story. But in a narrative podcast, you explore the answer and you find it by weaving through a set of occurrences. It's a change of direction.
0: Add in extra information or background or thought process to what was already recorded. Throughout season four, we have been covering narrative style podcasting. This includes journalistic or documentary styles as well, the first 10 episodes of this season covers this topically as we step through the process of creating a narrative podcast. I interviewed 11 podcasters for this series. And in each episode, you'll hear from several of each of them. So the first 10 episodes is basically a working example of this style that we were talking about. Now I'm releasing the full interviews that I did with each of these guests I'm doing this for several reasons. First of all, there were several things that were brought up in the conversations that didn't make the final cut. It was still good information, it just wasn't as pertinent to the topic at hand, or it was already talked about by other guests. And secondly, you can get to hear what the conversation was like before I cut all the audio for the original series. You can be able to see the show notes by going to creativestudio.academy. Brian Orr is our guest today. He is the host of the Podcast Movement Sessions Podcast. On that podcast, he took snippets from different sessions from Podcast Movement 2015, and then he mixed in some of his own commentary and interviews from different attendees. He was actually the first person I interviewed for this series, and he gave me a bunch of great resources to get me started. Definitely excited to be able to talk to you. And so did you get that list?
1: Yes, I have the list in front of me. I have a bunch of handwritten notes scratched on it that I probably can't read because it's in my own handwriting, but I'll <laughs> give it our best shot.
0: Okay. Is there anything on the list, maybe something that wouldn't be best for you
1: to talk about? Or do you think that they good and fair game or so strategic elements to use in the narrative, you know, that's just so broad question, it almost needs a little bit more narrowing down as far as what specifically that means. Because you can talk about, you know, strategic elements as far as how to strategically tell a story. It depends what the point of the story is. Just a lot of different things there. And that one was a little bit hard for me to answer, just the way it's written. What to do with pieces left on the cutting room floor. You know, that's kind of a simple answer. I don't have a lot to say about that. And then techniques for using music and transitions. I can go as deep or as complex as you want with that, but it's kind of a hard one to describe, you know, verbally. But I can give that my best shot. But all the rest of them are pretty straightforward.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For most of these, you can try to give it as maybe like best practices or some good ideas, but I'm also looking for like just what your experience is. And so, I mean, with with some of those that might be a little more broad, you can just maybe just say like maybe some of the things that you're using, maybe like with the podcast movement sessions, Mm -hmm. something like that. And so some of this, I'm still kind of new into trying to do this kind of thing. So I'm kind of gathering information as I do this, and you're actually the first one I'm interviewing. Okay, cool. So you're setting the stage for everybody else, I guess. And so I have talked to Corey Coates before. I talked to him just after a podcast movement to kind of get some preliminary ideas. But then as I started to try to want to learn more, it's like there's not a lot of real good information on how to do this. Right. And how to do it well, other than go find broadcasting school and take classes and And so I'm trying to put together a good resource for other people that are wanting to do this, because I know that this type of format is becoming more popular, especially with the rise of serial and things like that, that seems to be more prominent as far as people trying to do this or wanting to do this or talking about it. And so. Sure. So the way I'm going to be doing this is I'm going to be interviewing. Well, so far, I have, I think, seven or eight people that are currently lined up and I'm going to be interviewing Basically on these same questions and then just doing it topically. So a particular episode, there's going to be whatever, four or five, six, eight guests okay. talking about that topic from their own perspective to be able to try to get the best perspective on that topic, okay. be able to give people different ideas that they can look at and things like that. So we're not going to have necessarily the normal kind of format. Have you listened to the podcasters by Corey Coates and Jessica Rhodes? Yes, yes. Very similar to that is what I'm looking for. Okay. And so I'm actually going to be kind of employing some of these tactics into the actual production of this series. So all right. So anyway, so first of all, I guess we'll just kind of start at the beginning with this as far as maybe kind of tell a little bit how you got into podcasting. And then more specifically, what you do or have done in relation to this idea of narrative podcasting, creating a narrative story in this fashion?
1: Yeah. So I started off podcasting doing the typical interview show surrounding small business. I was I had a web startup that I was wanting to market that was targeted at small businesses. And I'm also a small business owner. So I thought, well, I'll do like a lot of the other interview shows that I've heard. And in listening to it, I found that I was getting bored listening to my own content. And there were some guests who were great and the application was strong, but it wasn't really grabbing my attention the same way that I had found shows like 99% Invisible and This American Life had done for me. So I just found that I had a real discontent with content I was producing, which drove me to want to do more narrative style, which my first attempt at that was a podcast that I did with my brother called Mantastic Voyage. We only got, I think, eight episodes into that before our schedules were just too hard to keep maintaining it. And then I had the opportunity to produce a podcast for Podcast Movement, which is Podcast Movement Sessions, which is more of a narrative style as well. Still not what I would call a true story-based narrative podcast, where it's literally just stories, but it's definitely using narrative elements or what we would call synthesis nowadays, synthesizing information into a story.
0: Okay. That was actually another thing that I wanted to be able to help explain as far as what is that narrative. And so because as I've talked to people, even since I sketched this together, people are like, what do you mean by narrative? So what would your idea of a narrative podcast or a narrative production? Maybe we can call that, because I
1: guess it can translate to other forms as well. Yeah, so there's a couple things that I've heard that I like. And it pretty much everything that I'm going to say I stole from somebody. So let me get that out there to start with. This none of this originates with me. But one thing that I heard that I liked is that, you know, a narrative is anecdotes, which are essentially descriptions of things that happened, plus emotion or moments of reflection. So if you take something that is a occurrence and then you add in elements of reflection or emotion to it, that tends to be the glue that holds together narrative. And that's a super simplistic way of describing that. Another way of describing narrative is to raise questions, but be much more slow to answer them using occurrences or a sequence of events. So, if I was going to do a question based podcast, I would just ask you a question and then you would answer it. But a narrative podcast, you explore the answer and you find it by weaving through a set of occurrences.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, that's what I was thinking, generally speaking. And so, a lot of times when I have talked to people, they say, What do you mean by that? I kind of like an NPR style or something like that. It's kind of what comes to my mind in that. So, if there's somebody that is considering what type of format that they should use, I know that this could probably be difficult. Maybe it's narrowed down exactly as far as why they should consider using a narrative style for their podcast. What would be a
1: good reason to do that? A good reason to have a narrative podcast or really narrative audio or narrative writing or narrative of any type is if you are wanting to make an emotional connection. If you have no interest in emotion whatsoever, making an emotional connection or getting people's emotions to rise and fall, then don't do narrative. If all you're wanting to do is simply... Express information and have information absorbed, then narrative doesn't make sense. But I would challenge anyone who says that all they're doing is relaying information because information is absorbed when emotion is attached to it. I mean, that's pretty much scientifically proven that if we have no relationship to information that's being given us, then you're going to have a pretty tough time remembering it. But if you can attach information to an emotion, that's the beauty of narrative because. For whatever reason, humans are just hardwired for story. As soon as something is a story, we're going to listen to it. If I just start talking to you about asteroids, just out of the blue, just asteroids, then you're probably not going to be so interested. But if I say, man, I have this crazy story about an asteroid that fell into my backyard. Mm -hmm. You're waiting to hear what happened next. It's impossible for you not to want to know what the story is about the asteroid that fell in my backyard. So that's what I would say to anyone who asks, should I consider narrative? Yes, you should consider it. And the only reasons to decide not to do it are generally if you don't have the time, discipline, or a subject matter that has any emotion whatsoever.
0: Okay. What would be a reason that maybe someone is thinking, okay, I want to do this type of format. Is there something that maybe should stop them from doing that and maybe use a different type of format? I mean, you kind of said, I mean, if you're not trying to create emotion, but is there any other reason why someone should not do something like this?
1: Yeah. So if you don't have any time, if what you're wanting to do is simply create a content machine and not actually go through and edit and write and all those sorts of things, then don't do narrative because narrative requires a great amount of effort on the front middle and back end in order to pull it off. You can't just tell great stories off of a whim. I mean, there are few people who can, but I certainly can't. So it just requires a time investment that a lot of people just don't have. And for certain types of mediums, it's not gonna be worth it. Like for example, if you're gonna do the niche podcast for people who wash cars, it's probably not worth it for you to spend a bunch of time doing narrative because they're probably only listening to you because they want to get the quickest tip on how to buff out Ferrari or whatever. And there's you know, probably not as much of a story there. You can do story quickly, which is just one take relate a story, but usually that falls flat. It's almost better not to even try if you're not going to put the effort in.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think I agree with that with that analysis. And so yeah, because it is definitely very time intensive. And so like I mentioned, I only dabbled in it. I did one episode that was maybe like the epitome, if you will, of a narrative, like really telling the story of something. And I ended up having just four different clips about a little less than four hours of audio. And the thing took me about 15 hours or so of editing afterwards. And that was after having some time of planning and then the recording, and then all the time of editing it afterwards and really narrowing it down to, I think we ended up with about an hour and 20 of content. And so definitely a lot more time intensive than doing a normal interview based or just given the facts. Yep, for sure. So so maybe kind of stepping through then. So we've gotten the person to really evaluate whether they should or should not do this. And they decide that narrative is the best way to be able to go. They prepared for the time commitment and such that will be involved in it. But they have maybe just a broad idea or an idea of what they want that episode or maybe a series of episodes to be about How would they go about then to be able to try to create the specific topics or plot lines, if you will, to be able to do that? What are some strategies that you've done or that you can suggest for people?
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple different. It depends on the type of narrative podcast you're doing. So some are content centric. Like, for example, podcast movement sessions is content centric, meaning I look at the content and then I make the best story out of it I can. And that's what a lot of narrative podcasts are. You take a topic or the content that you already know you're wanting to talk about, and then you just find the best story. That's a little easier than starting from scratch, say, if you're going to do a fiction podcast, for example, where you're writing it all from scratch, like Welcome to Night Vale or something. That's very writing intensive. So you have to basically write out a really good audio story to start with. Or Nate DeMeo's podcast, The Memory Palace, that's one of my favorites, but it's totally centered around really good writing. So. It really just depends. What I would say to most people, though, is first distill one idea. So even if it's content centric, figure out what the one idea is that everything you're doing is surrounded around and then spend a lot of time thinking about how you want the podcast to sound, which sounds so cheesy. Like my story coach, Jeff Emthman taught me that the idea of just thinking it through beforehand how you want it to sound. Do you want it to be? intense do you want it to be mysterious do you want it to be funny you know how do you want that to feel how do you want it to sound generally speaking and so once you have the one idea you have generally how you want it to sound then start to lay it out on a timeline and take what content you have or what general topic you have and start to lay out, okay, what are some pieces I can fit in? And then you'll quickly start to see where you have gaps that maybe need some effective narration or some writing, or maybe they need some sound clips to augment it. And I found that to be really helpful. Okay. Yeah, I think that's
0: definitely very helpful. And so kind of combined a little bit of two questions and the one in that. And so wondering about choosing the interview subjects. So like, like taking the example of your podcast movement sessions, the main topic for the particular episode, whichever episode you're working on, is that main speaker, either was one of the breakout sessions or the keynote or whatever. So that's the main one. But you weave in interviews and discussions with other people as well as your own narrative and comments. So what do you use and what is your plan as far as choosing those people and those clips to be able to do that? What's some of your thinking and process between
1: behind finding the people to do that? Okay. So two things. First is that I work in the tape a lot. That's the biz talk for the way that I do it, which is I go through the tape and I find areas that are really strong in the tape that I'm definitely going to use. And then I find some areas that are weak. And it's really nice to have some bounce added from other voices when you have some areas that maybe aren't so strong, maybe don't stand on their own two feet quite as much. So that's the first thing that I do. And the second thing is, is that I'm not too choosy, meaning that, you know, I'm not Ira Glass, so I can't get anybody I want. And so anybody who's willing to talk to me about something that's related to my topic I turn the recorder on for them because why not you know it's not that big of a deal the interview podcast world spends so much time focusing on prepping for interviews and you know making sure that you're all set up and sitting there at your desk but I rely a lot on having my mobile set up with me and I can do a cell phone interview or whatever because the point of these kind of secondary voices is just to create some balance so it's okay if it's on a cell phone it's okay if it's not perfect or if you're using the ringer app or whatever to get the content. And so I just say, get a lot of tape and you'll know pretty much right away whether there's some good parts in there or not. And if there's not, then you just don't use it. Okay. Okay.
0: That works. So just try to grab as many people and many pieces to be able to start with and
1: then just kind of sift through it as you go through it. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. And sometimes you'll get really, really great stuff from really unexpected places. Like a perfect example is, I interviewed Adam Sachs. He's the CEO of Midroll and Earwolf, so he's a significant player in podcasting. But he doesn't do a lot of interviews, and he was the one who interviewed Mark Maron on stage. And when I did the interview with him, he was really nervous, like strangely, you know, because he's a big shot and I'm a nobody, but he just wasn't comfortable. And I only used a couple small clips from him But the clips I did use were really good clips, like very wise moments where he kind of reflected on the industry as a whole. And it was really strong. But if you had listened to that entire 30 minutes, you would have thought it was a pretty poor interview in general. And that's where, you know, using the kind of ethos of the one take interview show doesn't translate into narrative. Right. Okay.
0: We're talking about the cutting room floor a little bit. And so as you're editing those things, you have this massive amount of audio that you're going through. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that gets cut to be able to get to the meat of the story. So what are some of the things that you do with that, your thought process behind what you're looking for, maybe more specifically?
1: So maybe a little bit about your process there. Okay, so, and this process has evolved. It's evolved as I've used different programs and as I've learned to be a better narrative podcaster. So this doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, but this is what i found. So what I do is I record my audio And I take it and I drop it into Reaper is what I use now as my DAW. Reaper is non-destructive, which means that I can make cuts and then I can just bring them back to life later if I want. And so I drop my audio in there and I go through and I log the tape using markers, which means that I'm not transcribing everything, but I'm going through and I'm making markers at every significant point in the conversation. And as I'm doing that, I'm marking the markers either kind of a brown color, green or red. And... Depending on how I mark them, red is saying there's no way I'm gonna use this part, green is saying I'm definitely gonna use this part, and the brown color is saying maybe. And I go through after that's done, and I just aggressively hack, because it's completely non-destructive, so I can get it back later if I want to. But I cut it all down to the parts that I think are important. And then I assemble the piece with all of my narration and everything. And then I go through and do a final cut set of edits where I go through and make it even tighter. And then I do my scoring, which is adding my music.
0: Okay. So maybe it's kind of a similar vein, at least some of the stuff we're talking about. As you're doing that, do you already have kind of the overall story in your mind or do you sketch that out? Or how does that look for you as far as like trying to get from the big picture and getting the audio to fit into that?
1: Yeah. So that's where the timeline comes in. So when you start off with the timeline, you have kind of a loose timeline. So where you know generally the points that you want to hit, but you may have six points on the timeline. But then as you log the tape, you find the specific things that you want. And so then you fill in that timeline with the specifics. And then that's when you know where to drop these different clips in different places. In general, I'm trying to keep most of my episodes you know, below 40 minutes. Statistically, if you go over 40 minutes, unless you're one of the world's best narrative podcasters, you're going to lose a lot of people. And if I can, I try to keep it to 20 minutes. That's kind of my goal. So only if I have really good content do I let it go beyond 20. And so essentially taking my timeline and I'm Creating it very loose. And then I'm just tightening it down as I go and adding in more detail until I get to a really tight story. But that's, again, that's my way because I have my subject first in most cases. But if I was starting where I was doing a heavily written podcast, like the Memory Palace or Welcome to Night Vale, I would have to do all of my writing and timelining beforehand. And then I would do my recording. So it really just depends on the type of podcast you're doing. And they're both narrative.
0: Okay. But still, I guess with either one, you want to have an idea of what you're doing before you start
1: pulling all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you'll waste more time, but you can still create a good podcast even if you don't know where you're going. So there are some that I didn't know where I was going, like Aisha Tyler's episode of Podcast Movement Sessions. I wasn't in that session with her, so I listened to it a couple times, and it took me a little bit to kind of get the theme of what I wanted to leave in and how I wanted to accent it. But in the end, it came out pretty good. So it depends. It's okay to work on the tape and kind of figure it out as you go. I knew what I had to work with, and so I was just making the best story I could with what I had. So you can do it either way, but it's better if you have the general outline of where you're wanting to end up and how you're wanting it to sound before you start. Okay. I think this is one of them that you mentioned that maybe was a little more difficult, the strategic elements to include in the narrative. I think I did write a few things, so yeah, go ahead and ask the question how you want to ask it, and I'll I'll give you what I've got.
0: Okay. So creating the narrative, I mean, obviously we're telling a story of some fashion, either telling an actual story or taking a topic and telling the story of how to do something or the process of something. And so but we're telling the story. And so what are some strategic things that we would want to include in
1: this and maybe where we'd want to include that at? Yeah, I have a whole list of questions that I ask myself and I can't remember all of them. I have them them written down in a Word document that I refer to make sure that I'm not missing anything. But a couple things I like to do is I like to, if possible, create an idea of place. So whether that's the place, you know, in the case of podcast movement sessions, it's podcast movement, the conference. So I'm kind of staking this moment to a place. Or if it's something that happened in the past, I like to stake that to a place. A perfect example is Jeff Brown. Talking about his radio experience in Muncie, Indiana, when he was a young radio personality. So, just wanting to stake the place because in radio, you can lose that and it makes it more of an ether if you don't have some like physical location tagged to it. And a couple other things that I like to build in is is there emotional bounce? So, do you have ups and downs? Because you don't want to have a story that's just flat emotionally where you're either all up or you're all down or you're. All up for a long period of time and then only down a little bit. You want to kind of create bounce. And so when you write it out on the timeline, what you can actually do is if it's sort of a down moment, you can draw an arrow down. If it's an up moment, which would be humor or something positive, you can draw an arrow up. And that gives you an idea of whether or not your story's bouncing or whether it's remaining flat, because it just helps create interest. And then I also always look for what are the stakes. So what is at stake in the story? If the person, the subject, whoever, whatever the subject, whoever, or whatever the subject is, if the narrative doesn't go the way that you're hoping it goes, what's at stake? What do they stand to lose? What do they stand to gain? So establishing that early on is that's a very common theme in storytelling. And then finally, I would say that if you look at your story and your story happens just like someone would expect it to happen, like if you gave them just a quick synopsis and then they could recount to you exactly what the story is, then it's not a good story. Because a story has to have some element of the unexpected to it. And every story does have that, actually. But sometimes you just have to work a little harder to find it and make sure that you get it in there.
0: Hmm. Okay. Now, maybe kind of along the same lines, I mean, obviously, all of it's important. And you definitely want to make sure that you have some strong stuff throughout. But probably the most important part of it is the beginning of to be able to draw people in. And then the ending to bring some sort of conclusion to it. So what are some things to be able to focus on those two
1: areas? Well the first thing, Rob Rosenthal of the How Sound Podcast, he's one of my favorites kind of instructors when it comes to storytelling, at least for the radio. He says, you know, use your best tape first. And that's in general a pretty good rule. So figure out a way to take some of your most engaging Audio and use it early on without giving the story away. So it creates draw into the story and interest into the story, establishes the stakes early on, why you should care. You know, if you can't answer the question of the story is about blank and you should care because of blank, if you can't answer that question, then you don't really have a story. So establishing that early on in the story is important. And then to end a story, you just need to be conscious that whatever you end the story on is the thing that you're leaving people with. And for certain types of narrative, it's totally okay to leave it unclosed. Perfect example is I don't know if you've listened to the Limetown podcast and it's been wildly popular. It's a fiction podcast. But the way that they left season one is just totally leaving you hanging. And that's perfect because they're wanting you to come back for season two. And it's a very, very good example of good audio storytelling. I like what Criminal said, Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer of Criminal said, that they're uncomfortable with grand summation with stories, which is the idea of taking the entire thing and wrapping it all up in a little sentence like, and they lived happily ever after, for example, you know, that's (laughs) grand summation. Good modern storytelling very rarely has grand summation. However, it does have something that you're wanting to leave people with and you're intentional about that. So Limetown intentionally is leaving you hanging on the edge of your seat at the end because they want you to come back for season two. And so whatever that is that you're doing with your narrative, you want to make sure you're conscious of that.
0: Very good. Now, of course, as we're talking earlier about leaving stuff in the cutting room floor, and so we find all the stuff that we're going to include, but this other stuff that we have, probably massive amounts of stuff that isn't used, what are some things that you've used or that you've seen used as far as with that content? And so
1: is there something that we could do with that or that we should do with that? Well, first thing is there is no should, so <laughs> do what you want to do, you know, but here's what I would say is that if it's good, like if you have stuff that's on the cutting room floor that's good, we'll clip it. Meaning, save it as its own audio file, title it, put tags in there. So that way you can have it later. And a lot of times I'll use, if it's funny, for example, I'll use it in the outtakes at the end of an episode. It's so sad to think that there's so many people who are just throwing away good, funny outtakes. You know, there's nothing better than some good outtakes at the end of an episode. So, you know, save those if you got funny stuff. But for the rest of it, you know, if it's topical and it's interesting, you know, just save it as a clip. Maybe you'll use it later. Okay. Now, one thing I
0: think just beside the story itself is, the way that you can transition from one clip to the next, from one part of the story to the next. So what are some things to that you use as far as trying to make those transitions? And maybe start with the mindset first as far as what you're looking for, what you need to look for in that to be able to transition from one to the next.
1: Yeah, this is an area that I still pretty weak. Like I look at what I do, the work I do, and I'm not 100% happy with it when I compare myself to the masters. You know, Radio Lab probably being the world's best transition podcast. They just do such an incredible job with that. So talk to those guys, not me. But, but since I'm being asked the question, yeah, I mean, just want to think of the mood and emotion. You want to make sure that timing is appropriate, that you're giving people enough time to digest what just happened and then transition them emotionally into what's about to happen next. So obviously music is a huge part of that. I mean, I can go into a little bit about music if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Ira Glass talks about that This American Life uses plinky music. The biggest thing I see people do who are getting into narrative is they just use the wrong music. Music that works for transitions and for sound beds is not the same kind of music that works if you're doing a hey everybody, I'm cool interview podcaster type of intro, you know. You see that so loud rock music or dubstep and that kind of stuff. It just doesn't work underneath. There's too much going on, and it interferes with the vocal range of the person who's speaking, especially if you're transitioning into speech. So pick music that's very understated, that's very simple, and that is mood-appropriate to what's going on. And usually, in most cases, it's fairly... Neutral it's not even if you're In a sad scene you don't want some big Sappy It's too much You know, Maybe a simple guitar pluck that's a little Moody sounding underneath you know so You just think much more simply with music So one tip that I would give people That's sort of an insider secret if you're really Serious about narrative Is look into smart sound you can actually create your own music tracks and then make them exactly what you want them to be. And and you can make very, very simple, good bed music using smart sound. And I've been happy with it. It's not cheap, but it's a good resource if you're looking to create narrative for a long time. That's good.
0: Yeah, I know one thing that I had to catch myself on that one project I did is when I was transitioning from one part of the story to the next, I was narrating in between. So I would have a clip of one person saying something and then I would say some kind of transition whatever, to, to be able to kind of bridge into the next part of the story. And one thing I kept catching myself doing is saying, well, here's this, 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 and now here's what so-and-so says about it. So what are your thoughts on being able to do
1: that part and maybe get smoother or more professional? So you mean, so the question, if I'm hearing it correctly, is how can you make your narrations in between pieces more smooth? Yeah. Yeah. Good. There you go. See, I need help. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Well, first thing, I'll give you a little insider talk because it makes you sound real fancy if you're talking to some cool NPR person. They call that tracking in the business.
0: Okay. So
1: tracking is cutting those little narrations in between pieces. And I also struggle with the same thing you're talking about. What I've found works nice is to not only just introduce the next thought, but also you can do some of their talking for them. So you'll see that they do this a lot in highly produced narrative shows is that instead of just saying, and then I asked so and so about such and such, and this is what he had to say, it's almost like why didn't you just do the interview then? You know, but what you can do is you can say, and then I was interested in what such such's experience was. He shared with me so on and so forth, which got me thinking, da 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 da. And then they start talking. Okay. So you're doing some of their talking for them so that your narrations aren't so tight where it's just you just literally just introducing the next idea. It's a little more complex than that, and it makes it just a little tighter.
0: Okay. Now, you already mentioned maybe a little bit, but I'm looking for some resources to help people that are working into this. What are some things that help you? I know this is kind of broad as far as resources, but maybe first... Where do you get maybe some of your inspiration or the help to be able to fine-tune your skills in this
1: work, other than obviously than just doing it? Yeah, so, okay, a couple things. First thing is listen to really great narrative podcasts. If you're not listening to people like really all of the Radiotopia podcasts are great examples of narrative. So if you think of 99% Invisible, The Memory Palace, The Illusionist – Kitchen Sisters, Lost and Found Sounds, and those types of podcasts are going to give you a lot of feel for what is good, helps you obtain good taste. When people talk about narrative like it's some new marketing technique, I just kind of laugh inside because if you don't really care about story, you're just trying to use story to sell what you have to sell or to become an expert, it's not going to work. You have to actually enjoy it yourself. And so that kind of comes into the passion topic. If you're not passionate about stories at all, then it's not going to work. So listen to good podcasts that do narrative very well. And then I would say listen to some podcasts that specifically talk about how to do narrative. The first is How Sound, which is created by Transom.org, and it's hosted by Rob Rosenthal. That's the best one around, in my opinion. Another great podcast is called Out on the Wire. That's another good one. And uh, Jessica Abel is her name. She goes through kind of step-by-step how she learned how to do audio narrative, which is pretty cool. She also has a book of the same title that – she's an artist, so it's actually – she does drawings all through it and almost like cartoons of the topic, which is kind of fun. What was the name of that one? Out on the Wire with Jessica Abel. And then I did Alex Bloomberg's storytelling workshop on Creative Live. That was a really good resource. Another thing is for anyone who's really serious about storytelling, I would suggest – Considering going to the Third Coast Festival, which is in Chicago, yearly they have one year they have the full festival and then the next year they have like a smaller version of it. I had a really good experience there and that's where really the world's best audio storytellers go to meet and learn from each other. As far as blogs and websites to go to, I would suggest strongly is transom.org. That's an amazing resource for everything audio storytelling. And then airmedia.org is a great site. It's a membership, but it's relatively inexpensive. And that's where you can really get mentored and get your questions answered. There's just a great community there. That's where I got my mentorship from Jeff Emptman of Here Be Monsters, who was very helpful to me. That was all through airmedia.org. Awesome.
0: Well, is there any other resources that you would recommend for, for people to be able to help them
1: to be able to do this easier or better? Yeah, and the biggest resource I would say is just do it, which is to say do it even if you're never planning on publishing it. So start with your family. Start with the stories that you can tell about yourself and just sit in front of a microphone and tell them and cut them up and make them as good as you can because it's one of these things that you can't read your way into being a good storyteller. You can't read your way into becoming a good editor. You have to do it. So just get started, and you'll find that once you put in, you know, a couple hundred hours doing it, that you'll be pretty doggone good. Well, awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate it. Any
0: other thoughts that you'd like to end with any epic pieces of advice or
1: (laughs) Mm. epic pieces of advice. Yeah. So here's what I would say. If you're going to do narrative, you can't outsource it. It's not possible. Don't try. You're going to have to learn how to do everything. And that's really unpopular advice in the solopreneur world, but I tried it and it just was terrible. I wasn't developing my ear for what sounded good. I wasn't learning my digital audio workplace and it just didn't work. So I would strongly suggest if you know that you want to tell good stories, then get in and learn every step of how to do it. That's cutting your own tape. That's doing your own logging, which is, you know, your kind of mini transcriptions. Learn how to do all of that. Learn how to write your narrations. Learn how to narrate. Learn how to edit music. And it won't take you that long if you commit yourself to it, and you'll be glad that you did.
0: All right. Awesome, man. Definitely appreciate the time and keep doing good work. Cool. You need anything else from me? Is there any particular place that you would want to send
1: people if they want to connect with you? Just send them to podcastmovement.com that's podcast movement is a fantastic conference i know you, you said you were there so you mm-hmm. experienced it yourself it's a really great place to meet people and grow and i'm not doing it for any other reason other than that i love what dan and jared and the rest of the team are doing over there and i wanted to support them so and i wanted to learn more about narrative podcasting so that's why i offered to do it and i'm excited to see the whole community come out and drove to support them and to learn more about podcasting
0: awesome I think that's about it. So I'm not exactly sure when this is going to come out. I'm doing all the interviews and stuff through the end of January. So February might start getting some of it out, but somewhere between February and early March. And so something like that.
1: No rush. If you want me to listen to anything for you and give you any feedback, you can feel free to ask. And what I'll do is I've recorded myself natively so okay. I'll send you the native recording via WeTransfer, so you have it if you want to get real funky with it. Okay, well that'll work. And so yeah,
0: I didn't hear any glitches or
1: anything like that, but yeah, just in case I need uh, need that, that would be great. See, Joshua, I love you, man. But if you don't hear the difference between native quality recording right. and Skype <laughs> quality, then I'm gonna have to browbeat you a little bit, man. Not okay, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe I won't put the podcast <laughs> movement. I don't want to <laughs> beat up with you in the hall. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll just raise my big eyebrow and just. Yeah, <laughs> I do understand. That. <laughs> I'm just being a butt. Yeah, I'll send it over to you just in case you, you want it. And uh, if you need any help with anything, just let me know. All right. I appreciate it, man. Yep. Thank you. You have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Creative Studio Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to these interviews. If you haven't already listened to the full 10-part series of narrative podcasting, I encourage you to do so so that will help you to be able to get a grasp on creating a narrative podcast from a topical standpoint. I also have detailed show notes available on the website at creativestudio.academy. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast player and share this with someone you think would benefit from the content. I look forward to sharing more about podcasting experiments. This is a production of Podcast Guy Media, LLC.